So Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 1, Paul, an apostle, not of men. I didn't get my credentials from men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. What authority. <laughs> what authority to know that you're not operating in the dimension of the flesh. I didn't get what I have from men. I didn't get it from laying on of hands by a presbytery or, or by a deacon board, but what I have came pipelined from heaven. Direct authority from heaven. And God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present age. Notice that. The reason that, that Calvary happened was to deliver us from the present day that we live in. The present evil world that, that so often dictates our activities. He said because of what he's done. See, it reminds me of Ephesians chapter 2 when he says that we sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And so he might deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then verse 6, he says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there are some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have, than that which ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now seek the favor of men or of God? Or do I seek to please men for if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. <laughs> and so I want to preach to you. Now, perhaps some of you have heard the, the cliche that, that people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Or some people are so earthly minded, they're, they're no heavenly good. But I believe what God is trying to get us to a place that we are so heavenly minded that we are earthly valuable. And so we're going to go on a little journey here today. Father, thank you for your word. It is so powerfully anointed. I thank you for the response of worship that your people walked into your building with, into this sanctuary with. And the songs that were sung and how... There was such a receptivity, Lord, between the worship team and, and, and the worshipers and how awesome it was and what a great environment has been created here that your word could take seed in our heart. 
I pray that my words would be the pen of a writer and they would be written upon the tables of our hearts and let us leave this place today not the way we came. And for that, we will eternally be grateful. In Jesus' name, and everybody shout amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Now, we began talking from the book of Genesis last week and and we discovered first and foremost that when God first of all created man, he created man in his own image. Now this is very important that you wrap your mind around this because most oft times we think the flesh came first. However, I remind you the flesh did not come first because man was first of all created in the image and the likeness of God. John 4.24 tells us that God is a spirit. And so the spirit of man was first of all made. It was created. It was created God-like. And then in Genesis chapter 2, you will discover that then God made a time capsule. He made a body. Somebody say a body. He put the spirit in the body and man then became visible. You and I would not be visible except for our physical body. So Ecclesiastes tells us that when it's all over, that when when we die, the physical part of us, the body, goes back to the dust where it came from, and our spirit goes back to God who gave it. Amen. And and so everything that happened from, from Genesis to Revelation is just an unfolding drama of God's redemption of the spirit of man when man was born from life unto death in Genesis chapter 3 by disobedience. He lost the nature of God. He lost that, that spirit of God that was resident. His flesh took over. Anybody ever experienced that? The flesh took over and the spirit was subjugated to a weaker position. But God left Adam and Eve a promise that someday that there would be a seed that came through the woman that would bruise the head of the serpent. The serpent would bruise his heel, but, but death would be conquered. And the spirit would be restored back to men. Now, to, we, we often want to understand what's going to happen in, in the last days. You'll have people that want to go to end time seminar, seminars and, and they want to know what the book of Revelation is all about. Let me, let me just help you with real quick, just as elementary Cliff Notes version, is if you want to understand the end, then you go back to the beginning. Because the beginning defines the finale. That's why the Bible said God... He declares the end from the beginning. And so when you look at creation and you begin to discover that that in the beginning God created heaven and earth and, and the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep, but the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. God began to move. He wanted creation to know that there was a higher power and that something more than creation was in control of what was going on. 
And so when you when you see this by, by Moses' account, you see God simply in spirit form. You do not see him with a physical body. You see him as, as able to move through eternity because a spirit, ladies and gentlemen, does not know the confines of time. That's why when we preach about the eternality of God, we, we can say He has no beginning and He has no ending. That's why we sung today, He's Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning. If you can ever find a beginning, you will find God. If there is ever an end of a thing, then you can look to the finale of it and you will find Isaiah said in chapter 45, he said, I am from everlasting to everlasting. And so when you see the Spirit of God move across the creation, you understand that he is not limited by what he has made. Can I tell somebody today that God does not need anything that He's created to exist. He existed before anything was created. He will exist when everything is created done away with and, and John said I saw it all melt with a fervent heat and I saw a new heaven and a newer and so you understand the end from the beginning because in the beginning God created heaven and earth in the end he creates a new heaven at Lord Jesus and a new earth and the Bible said there's something different about the next creation is that there is no sin and there is no unrighteousness wherein righteousness dwells now I got to take you just a little further in in this cliff notes version because you've got to understand that when John saw the finale of all time he said I've got to tell you now in the first creation there was a son to rule the day and there was a moon to rule the night. But let me tell you about the next creation because it's not limited in the physical realm of time. And so in the next creation, there is no need for the sun or the moon or the stars because the Lamb is the light. And there is no night and it's a perpetual place. It's... A so to understand the spiritual, you've got to take a look at the physical. See, this is why it is so important that you, you study. The Bible said, study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that uh, needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, because Scripture is built upon Scripture. Scripture interprets Scripture. Isaiah again would say, line upon line and precept upon precept. Here a little. That's why you cannot take one verse of Scripture and make a doctrine of it. Uh, you cannot just take one verse it's not standalone, but it's it's every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's why you need daily bread in your life. You need to go to the Word of God because something you read today is going to click with something you read last week. I came to preach to somebody today. You're, you're, you're too bound by the physical. You're too bound by what you see. And that's why Paul said to the church of Ephesians in verse 13, he said, I cease 
ceased not to make mention of you in my prayers uh, that the God of glory would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him uh, because you got to go beyond a church house experience uh, you got to go beyond a worship lead team experience uh, you got to go beyond just a little sermonette on Sunday morning uh, and think you're going to make it Sunday is not be nice to God day uh, Sunday is an opportunity to begin your week afresh and anew with worship and praise that brings you out of the physical surroundings that you have caught up with this week and began a brand new week. See, that's why it is so important to understand that in the old covenant, they would, they would work and then worship. The Sabbath was on Saturday. And they worked and then worshiped. But when Christ, who is the high priest of a better covenant, came, he changed the order of worship because he understood that working and worship didn't work. So he said, let's start a new beginning. Let's start with worship and then See, there's a reason he came out of the tomb on the first day of the week. There's a reason because the order of things was changed because they were so connected to the physical. Now, i got to slow down a little bit here today because we need to lay a proper foundation for understanding this. And so now the spirit moves from just the spirit world. It moves into the physical world. And so man, his spirit is then put into a body. And so, I don't know how long he lived in the garden. I'm not going to argue timelines and chronological events. I mean, Adam and Eve could have lived in the garden millions of years. We don't know. We have no clue. Because as long as they lived on, in obedience, they lived in an eternal condition. But when they broke obedience... They moved out of the spiritual condition into the realm of the flesh. Now, you, you can try to try to dialogue and debate all this if you want to, but all of this had to happen. I've often asked the question, I wonder why God allowed this to happen if he knew man was going to fall. Well, the reason he let man go through this and succumb to disobedience was because Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 says that we were predestined, we were predestined to be found in Him before the foundation of the world. And we could not be predestined to be found in Him if man had not fallen. And so it sets the stage. And so God would begin a timeline, even though he knew no time. He would begin a timeline to show us, because we all ought to be from Missouri. The show me state. Because how many times do we have to be shown something before we believe it? And so God says, you won't truly understand faith unless I show you some things. So he said, the first thing I'm going to show you is I've got to destroy the earth by water. 
I, I, I've got to purify the world by water because I want you to understand that purity comes through water. Because the same water that destroyed evil became the catalyst for Noah and his household to be saved. While the water brought destruction to some, it brought others from the old world into the new world. Now, I talked about this last week, but we've got to go a little deeper because some people want to negate baptism and say baptism doesn't work and it's just a, it's just something you know that we do because we, we say everybody be baptized. No, baptism is what brought Noah and his house from the old world into the... Oh, I wish I had somebody help me preach just a little bit this morning. And so it was the water... And Jesus is going to talk about this later with a conversation he has with a rabbi named Nicodemus. And he said it was the water that killed some but delivered others. And then as they float from the old world into the new world, Moses goes and opens the window of the ark and he lets out a dove. Oh, well, what does that mean? Well, you see, when Jesus went through the Jordan River of baptism, John said, I beheld a dove descending upon him. I, I, I beheld the Holy Spirit as a dove that came and set upon him. So you can take Noah and talk about what it takes to go from the old world into the new world. That's why Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Oh, Jesus, have mercy. Well, then you go from that to just a few generations later, you have a man by the name of Enoch. And the Bible said Enoch was not, for he was translated... Translated from what? From the physical to the spiritual. Ah. To show, and then a few generations later, you have a man by the name of Abram, who God says, Abram, I want you to leave your father and your mother. He's going to introduce another concept called faith. I want you to understand, Abraham, that you've got to leave Ur of the Chaldeans and you've got where are we going. It doesn't matter where we're going because faith does not give you a destination, it gives you trust in the journey. See, I got to preach to some people today because you've lost a little trust in the journey. You can't understand why you're going through the suffering and the pain and the struggle. But faith comes in and says, He that begun a good work in me is able to finish it. He that started this thing is going to complete this thing. See, I've got to preach to you that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be... 
I got to tell you today, ladies and gentlemen, the glory doesn't come through the flesh. Some of you are seeking fame and fortune, thinking that's going to bring the glory. Those will only add heartache and pain and misery. Oh, some of you sitting here today, oh, no, Pastor, if I had a million dollars, I'd be in good shape. If you had a million dollars, you'd have more cockroaches crawling out of the woodwork to come in. And we think the answer is in the flesh. But the whole premise of the word of God is to show us that our hope is not in the flesh. That our hope is not in the vanity. That is why Solomon would spend 12 chapters in a book called Ecclesiastes saying it's all vanity and vexation. It's all vanity. He said, I sought not to withhold anything. He said, I planted vineyards. I built houses. I did all this thing. He even got 300 wives and 700 tongues. My God have mercy, are you stupid? And I'll leave that alone. But he said, I, 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 he said there was nothing under the sun that I withheld. And some of you are trying the same thing that he tried. And at the end of it, he said, here the conclusion of the whole matter. You better put your trust in God. But it began this cycle. It began this, this thing. And see, I talked last week when it said that, that the, after they had eaten of the fruit, that their eyes were opened. And they beheld their nakedness and they immediately found fig leaves and sewed them together to make them a covering because the basis of nature is that when we realize our spirit is not truly connected to the eternal spirit of God then we are always looking for physical ramifications and we're always looking for fig leaves to try to cover our nakedness. And Solomon comes along in the book of Proverbs and he said, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but he that confesseth. See, that's what prayer is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand that prayer is more than some kind of pious activity. But prayer is saying, God, uh, I need you today. Uh, it's not my flesh that's out of whack. Uh, it's my spirit. Uh, I need to bring my spirit back uh, into harmony. Oh, Jesus, have mercy. And so he introduces the concept of faith. And then a few decades later, you, you have God introducing what we call the law. People get all, all hung up on the law. But I want to tell you something today. Faith came before the law. It's a picture of Christ when grace and truth would come the law was simply a letter that brought death the, the law was simply something that exposed the weaknesses of the flesh read it and Paul said I wouldn't even know what sin is except the law says thou shalt not and because the law says thou shalt not, I know now what sin is. But the problem with the law is it never gives me an antidote 
The law is simply a regiment of the flesh. And I, I, I tell you, I'm totally amazed how God has laid all this out. And I'm also equally disturbed, though, that we have come back to a place where we're more enforcers. Where we're more enforcers and, and, and we judge how. I can't judge your spirit. I've often said, I've often said, I wish there was a motive meter. Can you imagine putting somebody's finger in this thing called a motive meter and you, you can see if their motivation is right or not? But the only indicator we have is by their fruit you shall know them. The law simply pinpointed our weaknesses. Paul would say to the church of Galatia, he would say, but the law is a schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. See, that's why I've got to tell you today that Christ did not do away with the law. All, all, all you people that want to take the Old Testament and throw it in the trash and say we don't need that anymore, you do need that. Because you wouldn't understand the Lamb of God if you didn't understand the Lamb of Moses. You wouldn't understand the blood of Jesus on the doorpost if you didn't have a story back here about Egypt when they put blood on the doorpost and the death angel had to pass over. Why did he have to pass over? Because death had already visited the house. Because when the blood quits flowing, life, the life is in the blood. And so when the death, oh, I feel a little Holy Ghost up in here. And so when the angel comes by and he sees blood on the doorpost, he understands, don't, can't go in there because death can't visit a house twice. You wouldn't know that. You, 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 you wouldn't know about a high priest. You would never understand the high priest position of Christ. If you did not have the old to reveal the new. But to see what it, what it all represents, ladies and gentlemen, is, is the fact that God knew we was from Missouri. And He knew if He didn't lay out a timeline. That's why He said to Moses... He said, when you build the tabernacle, you build it according to what I showed you in the mountain. Don't miss one stave. Don't miss one pocket. Don't miss one curtain. Because what you're building in the physical is what I have built in the... What, what you're going to see in the natural is what's going to happen in the spiritual and if you cannot see it in the natural you will never see it in the see that's why he would say in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 he would say that the things that are seen are temporal but the things that are not seen are eternal and so you go back to Romans chapter 1 and he said the things that are invisible are clearly seen through the the visible the things that are invisible are seen through the the visible 
God said, I want to show you what's going to happen spiritually by what I show you what happens physically. That's why when the spirit that God created was placed in a body, Hebrews chapter 10 and 5 would say, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body. You wouldn't understand the incarnation of Christ if you don't understand the incarnation of Adam. But because of the incarnation of Adam, even though he failed, I want to show you what's going to happen down the road when there's an incarnation of God getting in a body. Why? Not so he could destroy the law. Am I too deep for you? Maybe, maybe it's time for me to go to... He said, you got to understand that even though the first man, Adam, fell, the second Adam is not going to fail. But you're not going to understand the second Adam if you don't have some kind of an idea about the first Adam. Think about it, ladies and gentlemen. Adam failed in a perfect environment. I mean, there was no sin in the earth until Adam sinned. There was no righteousness in the earth until Christ came. Oh, I snuck that one up on you. You, you didn't even see it coming. So the second Adam is a display of the first Adam, except the second Adam is going to be tempted in all points like as we yet without sin the first Adam is going to fail the second Adam is going to succeed and so Paul writing to the Romans in the first fifth chapter of the book of Romans he would say to them that by one man's sin death reigned upon all but by one man's obedience I feel the Holy Ghost up in here this morning that by one man's obedience many are made see the reason you and I can have righteousness today is because of his obedience see that's why Paul writing to the Philippian church he would say let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus who thought it not robbery to be equal with God but he lowered himself he humbled himself to death even the death of the cross he became obedient unto death why? because the only way that you and I could ever be made righteous again and so I got to close. But he did not. Oh, yes, I do. <sighs> Lord to God. Lord to God. And so Christ came in the flesh not 
to do away you will never find in the scripture where it says he did away with the law but you will find in the scripture where it says he fulfilled in him in him was all the law and the prophets I, I, I came to do what nobody had ever been able to do before because the harder people try the more sin that you know the, the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart David was in constant pursuit of God's heart that's what that means it means he chased after God he was in pursuit of God but even in his pursuit of God his flesh I said his flesh his body the time capsule the temporary took precedent over his I mean David is the one that writes oh the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pasture man the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid he writes so when my heart is overwhelmed lead me to the rock that is higher than mine through the power of supernatural intervention he kills a lion and a bear and then takes the head off of the champion of the Philistines and we rejoice and shout about that. But ladies and gentlemen, there's a side of David that we sometimes don't want to talk about. Because he's living under an old covenant. And the flesh took precedent, causing him to have an affair with Bathsheba and kill her husband. Why? Because the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. And so, he says, the only way that I can bring you to a place where your flesh no longer dictates your spirit is I've got to show you through the physical that the flesh left to itself. Read, read Romans chapter 1, when the flesh is left to itself. They begin to worship the creation more than the creator. They, they were turned over themselves. They become reprobate in their own mind. Why? Because when the flesh is left to its flesh and the spirit is not there to guide it. That's why Paul kept saying time and time again, they that are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. And so God is trying to show through his word that there's a day coming. And I got to quit here today, but I just got to let you, I got to give you a little appetizer for next Sunday, okay? got to give you a little appetizer for next Sunday. Peter. Most of you wouldn't like Peter because he cursed during the middle of his sermons. But Jesus said, when you're converted, hey, hey, Simon, Simon, what Lord? Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. What, what is he going to sift? He's going to sift my physical being he's going to he's going to sift my flesh because my flesh is the weak point that it, 
But Jesus said, after you're converted, Peter, you're going to strengthen the brother. Something's going to happen to you. You're going to deny me in the physical, but there's coming a day when your spirit becomes so resilient uh, that come hell or high water, uh, you're able to stand. Having done all to stand, uh, you stand therefore. Uh, I want to tell you there's a day coming. When's it going to happen? And we, the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were in one place, in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. It appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. You, you better shout it. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me give you the answer to the flesh spirit battle. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you how to walk in the Spirit be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you how to overcome fleshly desires. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you how to walk above sin. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and your children, to them that are far off, even as the many as the Lord our God shall call. so I reached the end of my sermon before I ever get to the beginning kind of like creation and Paul says I want you to know something and I don't have time to go into his pedigree we'll deal with that another Sunday but he said he said I, I can tell you the accolades that I have in the flesh see this is why it is so important that Paul establishes the fact that the authority that I now have does not come from men the authority that I now have does not come through the Sanhedrin the authority that I now have doesn't come from Gamaliel it doesn't come from the Pharisees. It doesn't come from being born a Jew and being circumcised the eighth day as I should have been. I've got to let you know that my authority is out of this world. That my authority is not coming by a diploma on a wall. My authority my authority is not coming because somebody stamped my application my authority comes because something has happened in my spirit I was on the road to Damascus I was ready to kill some more Christians but a light shined out of heaven and it threw me off of the beast I was riding and my eyes went blind but see it was in the time that his physical eyes went blind that spiritual eyes See, that's why sometimes, and most often, ladies and gentlemen, you got to close your natural eyes and let your spirit eyes be. That's why God would write to the angels through the Spirit and say, I challenge you, anoint your eyes with salve that you can see. Put some Holy Ghost on your eyes so you can see the life that I now live is temporal. We get so concerned taking care of the time capsule that is temporary when what really needs attention today is the spirit because 
I don't mean to be melodramatic or melancholy, but one of these days, you're going to take your last breath. And that old body's going to lay down. But your spirit, see, we look at the body, but what we don't see is the spirit. And so, what what needs to happen? Well, I've got to tell you this, what we do in the flesh affects what we have in the spirit. See, that's why Jesus said, don't lay treasures up here, lay treasures up there. I, I was so struck, and I don't have time to go, go into it, but from Hebrews chapter 7, the Lord spoke to me early this morning, and, and, and I've always understood tithing, and I've tithed. I just, I've been blessed because of it. My wife and I put that principle in our life. I put it in my life even before marriage. It was just part of what we did. And, and, and the Holy Ghost showed me Hebrews chapter 7 this morning when he said, when you give it here, it's received up over there. Now, this ain't a lesson on tithing. I'm just telling you what the Lord showed me. He said, what you give here is actually put on the ledgers. See, that's why why if you think prayer is just an exercise of, of physical endurance. Oh, Jesus. And you prayed for everybody and everything you've known. And and you look at your watch and say, that was the longest five minutes of my life. Then, Then prayer will become burdensome. But when you begin to understand when you pray, it's your spirit. See, that's why, ladies and gentlemen, you got to understand that prayer is when your spirit communicates with his spirit Fasting is what brings the flesh into submission. Fasting to the flesh is what prayer is to the spirit. And and Paul said, I've got to show you a place in prayer where it's no longer me that's praying. That's why some people wig out on tongues if you start talking about tongues they're like but Paul talks about not the gift uh, not the gift of the Holy Ghost in its reception but he talks about praying in tongues and he said when you pray in tongues it's your spirit praying to God in an unknown language and it's exactly what Paul was saying in Romans 8 when he said I don't know how to pray anybody? anybody? I don't know how to pray. I start praying and the phone rings. I start praying and I think of a thousand things that I need to be doing. I start praying and I'm like, what am I even doing? But he said, I know not how that I ought to pray. But the Spirit. Huh. The Spirit begins to make intercessions. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, you can pray about something and you can see things begin to happen. Because when you pray, there's a shift in the atmosphere. When when you pray, 
prayer is not limited by the realm of the physical. When you pray, you're stepping into another dimension. Uh, I, I, I don't have time, but I just got to mention it. Jesus called Peter, James, and John, and he said, come with me. We're going to the mountain to pray. And they get up on the mountain and begin to pray. And, and Peter, James, and John's having a little trouble. They're falling asleep, you know. But all of a sudden, a cloud comes down over the mountain. And when the cloud leaves, they get a sneak preview of the spirit without a physical body. Because they see Jesus transfigured into his spiritual plane. And he's standing there talking to Moses and Elijah. Peter tries to bring it back to the physical. He said, we need to build three tabernacles. Because that's what we do. The gravitational pull, ladies and gentlemen, is to bring it back into the physical. But the gravitational pull of the Spirit is to drag you out of the physical. Can I tell Seven Cities Church... The day that we're going to see drug addicts delivered is when we still stop trying to operate in the flesh. Can I tell Seven Cities Church the day we're going to have more baptisms than we can handle on a Sunday is when we quit dragging the Spirit into the flesh and let the Spirit drag us into the Spirit because eye hath not seen and ear hath not heard neither hath it entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. And he goes on, he said, the natural man can't see these things. And so I know not how I ought to pray. And the house lights are coming down. I know not how I ought to pray. But the Spirit, the Spirit begins to make intercessions. <laughs> With groanings. I found myself in private prayer in this sanctuary the last few weeks of, of, of just getting into a place of groaning. I can't articulate words. I can't, I can't come up with anything to say. But my spirit but my spirit there's something coming out of me that I, I can't put into English. And I'm beginning to see God open doors. I'm not talking about $100 bills falling out of the sky. I'm talking about real doors, spiritual doors, effectual doors. I'm watching God put me in contact with people that, that, that He's chosen for His kingdom. said I want you to understand that my validation did not come from man my validation doesn't come from a, a board or an organization or a, my validation doesn't come from an ordination my validation doesn't come by being a member of a church my validation doesn't does anybody else feel what I'm feeling right now does anybody else feel what I'm feeling anybody else feel what pastor's feeling right now my validation doesn't come because I go to a church with a certain label on it. 
my endorsement is from heaven. My endorsement comes from a higher power. My endorsement comes from another world. And he said, if they'd been mindful of the country they came out of, they might have had opportunity to return. But something's pulling. Something's pulling. There's some spiritual breakthroughs that's about ready to happen for some of you here today. There's some spiritual breakthroughs that's about ready to take place. You, you think it's a physical battle that you're fighting. You think it's a flesh battle that you're fighting. I got to tell you today, it's a spiritual battle. Huh? And you can't win it with secular means. Huh? You can't win it by taking another 12-step program. Huh? You need uh, an encounter with the Holy Ghost. Huh? You need a baptism of the Holy Ghost. doesn't happen with a little dime store prayer in a five minute now lay me down to sleep it doesn't happen with spare time and spare change and spare energy it's when you give everything it's when you give everything